This is Choni's Circle. I'm Tamar Lubicki. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose. And on Choni's Circle, we are going to explore Jewish texts from the Torah through the Talmud and lots of traditional commentaries to grapple with climate change to help us process our emotions about climate change and about this particular moment um, and to help us try to make sense of the world that we find ourselves in. So I lead religious school tefillah on Sunday mornings for our third through fifth graders. And sometimes, I think both because they're interested, but also because they've realized that sometimes if they do this, we'll maybe do less tefillah and more other things. Sometimes they like to ask me big Jewish questions in the hope that they can get me to answer those instead of like practicing Kabbalah Shabbat. And actually just this week, a student asked me, well, why did God create humans? Because we're really bad for the planet. (laughs) And I think I said something like, thank you, that is a really big question. And also not what we're going to talk about right now. But it made me smile then, Tamar, when you brought this text for this week, because it felt very apropos that it is a question that at least one fourth grader in Seattle is thinking about. But I think more likely something that many of us think about at least sometimes. And if you haven't thought about it before, maybe you will now. So we're going to look at two different rabbinic texts today, actually, both about a debate about the creation of humanity. So the first is from the Talmud, from Masechet Eruvin. The sages teach, for two and a half years, Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel disagreed. That's not that Noteworthy, they disagreed about many things. It is worth noting here, actually, it's a little bit striking that the text doesn't tell us which side holds which opinion. So usually it will tell us Beit Shammai said X, Beit Hillel said Y. We'll know that almost always we follow Beit Hillel. So even just sort of framing the argument that way, we already know who's going to win. But this text seems to have lost the tradition about who said what. So it's just going to say these say and those say, and we'll be left to guess, I suppose. So these say it would have been preferable if humanity had not been created than to have been created. And those said, right, unsurprisingly, it is preferable for man to have been created than had he not been created, right? So the debate is, is it better or worse that people were created? And in some ways, what they're going to conclude is perhaps a little bit obvious, which is that in some ways it doesn't matter because it's a little too late to be having this debate. (laughs) And so they say it would have been preferable had people not been created than to have been created. But now that we've already been created, (laughs) right, a person's responsibility is to examine their actions. And some say that he should scrutinize his actions. And the translation here assumes that the difference is about tense. One of Beit Hillel or Beit Shammai, again, we don't know, says that that we should examine our actions sort of in a backward sense, right? Like that we should review and evaluate what we've done um, and therefore like seek to correct the things we've done wrong or strive to do better in the future. And the other of Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai 
says that this is actually like a forward looking scrutiny that we should think really critically before we make future decisions and decide what to do and what not to do so that we make the right choices and not the wrong ones. So that's our first text. Let's hold on to that and we'll get the second one and then we can talk about them both together. So the second text is actually not a debate among people about the creation of people, but a debate between the ministering angels who the rabbis imagine are serving God. So Rabbi Simon said, and this is a text from the Midrash in Bereshit Rabbi, I believe. Rabbi Simon said, at the time when the Holy Blessed One came to create the first human, the ministering angels split into groups and factions. There was quite a bit of disagreement here. Some said they should not be created and some said they should be created, right? Fairly similar to what we've seen so far. And then it's imagined actually that the different ministering angels embody different traits or values. And so loving kindness said, people should be created for they do acts of loving kindness. Truth, on the other hand, said they should not be created for they are entirely lies. Justice said they should be created for they do justice. Peace said they should not be created for they are entirely discord. So we have this debate that's ultimately about the role of what people are going to do in the world with some of the ministering angels wanting humanity to be created for the good things that we have the capacity to do. And others want humanity not to be created for the bad things that we have the capacity to do. And jumping a little bit further down in the text, God then goes ahead and creates humanity while the ministering angels are arguing, right, and having this debate about whether people should be created. God goes ahead and creates Adam and then turns back to the ministering angels and says, why are you arguing about this? Adam was already created, right? Just like in the first text, it's really too late. And so the debate is a little bit moot. So we're now going to answer your student's question. Uh, I guess we will, or at least we'll talk about it. I want to preface this by saying, like I said earlier, like, does it really matter? Right? Like, this is the reality that we have. So I want to name that. Right? Like, we're not going to... We're not going to propose that we should kill off humanity. Like, that is obviously the wrong answer. But also, I think there's something really interesting about, like, we're obviously approaching this, like, from the perspective of humanity, right? So, like, we have a vested interest in the outcome. And I think there's actually something kind of striking about the way that the rabbis put this debate into the mouths of the ministering angels, who are perhaps neutral third parties, Although they did split into a lot of groups and factions. So right. it seems like it was a pretty hot debate. Right, right. Which I think is easier, right. But I'm saying I think it's easier to have that debate when it's not between people, right? Because all people have a vested interest in people being here. And so, you know, sort of putting the debate in the mouths of, of ministering angels perhaps like gives them some space to argue in a different way uh, right. than as our uh, fully human selves. Although it's interesting that you say all people have a vested interest in people being here, but they did vote on not being here. <laughs> the majority ruled that humanity should not have been uh, Yeah, right, that's fair, right? It does seem ultimately, actually, that Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai agree that, like, it would have been better if humanity hadn't been created. But mm, what can you do? Oh, well, now we're here. I guess we should figure out how to be here responsibly. 
Right, but it, I think that in and of itself, the fact that they took a vote, okay, everyone raise your hand, <laughs> and it would have been better for humans not to have been here, one, and what is that about? Yeah, it's actually, like, kind of striking. Because in the Talmud, it's not about, like, we're destroying other species and ecosystems. It's about something else. Correct. No, it's actually, I think, really interesting, right? Because I think... For us, it's totally colored through the lens of the way that we impact the environment. So what are the rabbis getting at here? I'm not sure. I mean, I think some of it is, and like, it's a little tricky. We don't know exactly when this particular layer of text is from, but sort of regardless of when it's coming from exactly in the rabbinic period, the early generations of rabbis lived through a lot (laughs) in terms of the divisions and violence leading up to the destruction of the second temple, the destruction of the temple, and accompanying death and destruction and exile. And ultimately, both before that and after that, like living under the rule of other powers who were not always (laughs) kind and just and all of those things. And I wonder if all of that breeds bitterness and cynicism about like the terrible things that humans can do. To each other. To each other. Right. But in the text... The second text, it's more about these grand concepts like love and kindness, truth, justice, and peace. And it seems like truth is like, well, we shouldn't have created humans because they lie a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And it's sweet, right? Like, those are, I think, really big ideas. But they're also, like, big ideas that are, like, actualized in our daily lives all the time. And I think that there's something sort of striking about, like, truth and peace being like, no, like, they shouldn't be created because they lie and they fight with each other. And, like, who is not guilty of that? Right? Like, we all are, right? And that's and that's the point, right? In some ways, right, if the argument was, like, oh, like, some outlying humans will do some particularly terrible things to others, you know, it's potentially, like, easier to cover that up by being like, okay, well, it's not all humans. But this seems to suggest, like, no, like, each and every human being is going to do some really good, beautiful things in the form of seeking justice and acts of loving kindness and treating each other fairly. And also, like, every single human being is going to lie and fight with the people around them. And what's interesting is you said you assume that most people are not thinking of the answer to climate change being, you know, kill the people, (laughs) which I also agree. I don't think most people have that view, although I feel like there are some, you know, James Bond type movies that hold that some supervillains do have that view. But I, I do think there is a significant question among people of childbearing age of should I have children? It's a softer way. Yeah. There are obviously sort of smaller scale ways, right, that we think about this all the time. Should I have children? How many children? How do we think about population growth? All of those kinds of things. So I don't want to dismiss any of that. And we can go more into that, too. But it does feel to me like the stakes of that conversation, I think, are sort of set up differently. than Because I think these texts are really about, like, would it be better to have a planet with no people or with people? Um, (laughs) And the answer to that is 
we can't it, go right, back in time. Right, exactly. <laughs> the answer to that is we're not going to do anything to work towards a planet with no people. Right. And so we're sort of left with what we mm-hmm. have. I think there might be a smaller question that's similar, though, with habitat restoration and ecological restoration, where there's the mindset of, like, all we have to do is take the people out of the landscape and let the landscape heal itself. And again, we can't go backwards in time. We can't say there should never have Have been been. people on this landscape ever. But then there are those who say, well, we've changed the ecosystem so much and the landscape so much that if we withdraw now, it either won't heal quickly enough or it won't heal, it won't come back to what it was before. And we actually need those positive aspects of humanity to help the ecosystem and build it back to the way it was. And I think there's a related idea that when Europeans came to America, they saw this beautiful place and they kind of envisioned it as this Garden of Eden type place, like God is holding this garden together and the people just kind of wander through and get what they need. And actually, from a historical point of view, the people who lived on this land did interact with nature in a much more active way. That they had interactions with the forest of pruning it or having burns in certain times or their hunting patterns affected the population of different animals. And there's this idea of like reciprocity between humans and nature of a way that humans can actually help nature, which I think is like, um, (laughs) is hard for some people to grasp because of all the harm that we've done to nature. Like humans, they're only bad for nature. Yeah. But I think there's another side of it, of how can we help nature? Nature helps us, how can we help nature? Yeah, no, I think that that's a really powerful point. And I think also a hopeful one. There's something tempting about the cynicism of that fourth grader of like, well, all we do is destroy the planet and like everything would be better if we weren't here. And I think it's a helpful reminder of, like, there are parts of that that is true, right? And I don't want to diminish the harm that humans have done and are capable of doing. But I think that you just highlighted some really powerful examples of, like, the ways that actually we also have the power to heal things, right? And to examine our actions, both in a past-looking sense and in a forward-looking sense, to change our impact on the planet, to be one that helps to sustain it. Like, may it be, right, that one day we should live in a world, right, where we have this debate and for the people who are reading these texts, God willing, in 10, 20, 100, 1,000 years to say, like, well, this seems like a really stupid argument. Of course people should have been created, right? Look at look at the wonderful way that we have sustained the world around us, right? In some ways it's a challenge to live in, live into the debate so that we could create a reality where all of the ministering angels, right, not just half of them, and all of the rabbis could look at the reality and say, like, well, of course people should have been created. They are full not only of loving kindness and justice, but also of truth and also of peace, and are clearly and unambiguously leaving the world better than we found it.
I'm Rabbi Paula Rose, the Associate Rabbi of Congregation Beth Shalom in Seattle. This podcast is a project of Congregation Beth Shalom and Ahavat Ve'avodat Adama, our community's environmental group. Choni's Circle was recorded in Seattle, Washington at Full Track Productions. It was produced by Tamara Labicki and Dave Dintenfass. With original music by Ella Labicki Feldman. Thanks for listening and learning with us.